Our Old Testament reading this morning is the familiar passage from Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53, beginning at verse 1. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our Gospel for which we stand now is chapter 15 of St. John. Hear the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Glory be to you, O Lord. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. For this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the word of the Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Father, we pray that we might, by your Spirit, be enabled to apply your word to our lives and put what we hear into practice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've been thinking over these last three times I've been here, certainly about the whole area of prayer, and I want to continue with that to an extent this morning.
And I want to tell you something that uh, happened to me uh, yesterday morning at our meeting at 7 o'clock. There's about eight or nine of us gather every Wednesday morning at 7 o'clock in, uh, in the youth hub still. Uh, it's called Kingdom Prayer and we pray uh, for all sorts of different things uh, for our nation and for people here in the church and for the work of God in our local community. It starts with a reflection that's led by one of us, a very informal few words, and Anita led it this week and uh, invited us just to be still for a few moments. And as I was still, a very strange picture came into my mind. There I was in our back garden, and I had in my hand a house pipe. It's like this. And I, had a, I was in the middle of the garden near our vegetable patch. And it was very, very dry in the middle of last summer. And there I was spraying the vegetable patch with my hose pipe like this, thinking, oh, this is marvelous. And you can see it so vividly in my imagination. Make sure I put enough water on those packages. There are the peas. Oh, it'll be so much better for this. But, of course, nothing was coming out of the hose pipe. Not a drop. And I was still carrying on watering all these things, blissfully unaware that what I was doing was not doing anything, actually, apart from letting me stand there and enjoy being in the garden. I thought to myself, what an idiot, Vickery. What's happened to the water? I looked round into the garden shed and I could see that um, the host pipe wasn't plugged in. There was nothing attached to the tap. And then I realised what the problem was. But do you know the strange thing about it all was that I was just blissfully unaware in that moment of the fact that the water wasn't coming out and that I wasn't attached to the tap. <laughs> in a way, it made me look at this passage and think about this passage from John 15 in a whole new light. Because Jesus is talking to people who were incredibly familiar with vines and branches and the grapes and the fruit. They grew up with them. They ate them every day, probably, in the season. And they knew how to cultivate them. And yet, he spells out for them something that is so obvious. It's like, duh. <laughs> but he spells it out. It's as if they haven't got it. He says, look, just as a, a, you know, a branch has to be connected to the vine, you know, the central part of the vine, you know, it's not going to bear fruit, is it? Boys, girls, you know, it's not going to happen. But he spells it out and he says that, you know, disconnected from me, right, you can't do anything that's going to really produce real fruit, things that will last. Have you got it yet, he's saying. This is an obvious point. Again and again, he makes this point, remain in me, stay attached to me, dwell in me. Remain connected to me, as I also remain in you. That's the way it works. 
No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm thinking, is God saying to me, Joe, you've forgotten that. You've forgotten how vital, absolutely vital it is to keep connected, to remain, to dwell, to be in relationship with me all the time. Because I can do lots of things in my own strength. I can do all the bickering stuff. Quite easily, I've been doing it for nearly 30 years. And it's very easy for me to do it, recognizing that I'm a professional. How much do I need God in all this? And we can live our lives quite happily. We're human beings, capable people. We can live life quite well, thank you. But have we got, have I got a certain blind spot sometimes? And we all have them. A blind spot about this importance of being connected to Christ, remaining, dwelling in the vine. As Jesus said, that's the only way that fruit is going to come fully, much fruit, fruit that will last into your life and through you to others. And one of the fruit of the, fruits of the Spirit, of course, is peace, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and all those in Galatians 5. So peace, what we're thinking a lot about at the moment, is something that comes as we are connected to Christ and remaining in that relationship close to him, dependent on him, relying on him. Armistice Day, a hundred years ago, guns falling silent, we give thanks, huge thanks, unbelievably grateful thanks for the peace that we have as the guns fell silent on the Western Front and the bird song returned. We remember with deep gratitude the profound sacrifice made by countless thousands, the suffering as we've seen in all the different programs or whatever. A war to end all wars. But of course it wasn't. And the reason it wasn't, as we all know, as has often been quoted as the heart of the human problem, is the problem of the human heart. There is within humanity that bias toward things that are motivated by pride and greed and exploitation and prejudice, prejudice and power. But the peace that is offered to us, of course, by God, is, according to Jesus, a peace that the world cannot give. It cannot give that inner, complete, like, oh, peace that only Christ has been able to bring us. And as we heard foreshadowed in Isaiah 53, that peace comes through the sacrifice described by the prophet that was fulfilled in Jesus. 
He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace, the peace that comes from forgiveness and being reconciled to God, which we all long for, the punishment that was the, the consequence of our sin was laid on him. We deserve not to have peace, but to live in guilt and shame because we have committed things we're guilty for and we should be ashamed of. But the great gospel of Christ, of course, is that we don't have to live in that because we have been set free, forgiven, reconciled to God by what Jesus has done. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. Jesus knew enough about humanity to know that in the world, as he said, you will have tribulation, you'll have unpeace, there'll be a lot of angst and problems and striving and disappointment and frustration and uh, in your lives. You in the world, you will have tribulation and there will be wars and you'll hear rumours of wars. He guarantees that. But in me, said Jesus, you will find peace. In me. Coming back to what he said to his disciples, so you remain in me, abide in me, rest in me. It's in that relationship with Jesus who invites us to come to him day by day. <laughs> I was reflecting on that and I thought, that's a, that's a nice thing to say. And sort of trips off the tongue. Jesus wants us to come to him every day. Blah, blah, blah. I thought, what an amazing thing. You know, that God in Jesus wants to be with us. Wants to sit with us. Wants to know our company. Jesus died so that we could know the company. He could have our company in heaven. Forever. Try and get your head around that. That he wants us to be with him. It's amazing enough that my wife wants me to sit with her and enjoy a conversation or a nice meal together. That Jesus actually wants us to do that because he's a true friend. So let me conclude. I mean, all this leads towards um, contemplative prayer, which I'm not going <coughs> to preach another sermon on now. I will do in time. We'll think a little bit about what contemplative prayer might mean, what it looks like to remain, to be attached, connected to being with Jesus. But let me share one simple thing that uh, uh, an author called Joyce Rupp, I don't know whether you've come across her, she's an interesting, creative uh, person who's written a book about uh, using cups in different ways. Uh, I know it's, uh, it's a very interesting thing to do. You know, she talks about a chipped cup and you can think about how our lives are a bit chipped and you know all that sort of stuff. Anyway, a simple thing that she says is to use a cup to just be conscious of coming and receiving from Jesus. Jesus used the symbol of the cup, of course, in his life in the Last Supper, and we'll be using that again this morning in a moment. He also used it very powerfully as an image going back to the Old Testament in Gethsemane when he talked about the cup 
of God's wrath, drinking the cup of suffering. But the cup of God's blessing, as we take the chalice and drink, we're receiving by faith, with thanksgiving, the very life of Jesus. And Joyce Rupp takes this idea of a cup, and maybe for the very first drink of the day, do you love, isn't it great, that first drink of the day, you sit down on the sofa and just, oh, cup of tea for me, always does it. Can't function without a cup of tea, I'm addicted. That first cup of tea in the morning. But she suggested, as you drink that first cup of tea, why don't you just drink and imagine you're drinking in the peace of God, drinking in the love of Jesus. Just as you sip that tea, thank you, Lord, that you fill me with your life. Thank you, Lord, that you give me peace. Thank you that you want to be with me. I want to be with you, Lord. And just sit there and use it as a trigger for a simple act of prayer. I know that you are present with me. May I be present with you through this day. Maybe worth a try tomorrow morning. Amen.